Welcome back to the Untitled Sports Podcast. It's been a minute, but we'd like to welcome you to the 2022-2023 college football season. This podcast is going to function as our little season preview for college football. Uh, We're going to go through all the Power 5 conferences, maybe sprinkle in a little bit of G5 action, and uh, wrap up by talking about uh, our quarterback rankings and make our first USP pick six of the season. Yeah. Without so we, further further ado, Mr. Cartwright, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm, I'm doing pretty good, man. We, uh, we have a, a pretty packed slate here today and we have three, um, three basically sections inside of each conference that we're going to go through. We're going to go through what we're confident about, what we're curious about, what we're concerned about uh, for each of the major power five conferences. So, um, it's going to be interesting. We're kind of narrowing it down and trying to figure out what's going to be our, our, our focus for this season. So uh, why don't you kick us off with the SEC? What are we confident about? All right. Something that I am confident in in the SEC this year is really, we'll just get it out of the way right now, is the Alabama death machine. Uh, I am super confident in this Alabama team with the two-headed monster that they have with Bryce Young being the focal point of the offense and Will Anderson being the focal point of the defense. And uh, obviously Jameer Gibbs coming in in the transfer portal. I really think that Alabama is uh, probably going to march to the playoff and probably win the title this year. And uh, I just want to accept that right now that that's where we're heading. And uh, we'll just uh, figure out the rest as we go. Yeah, I mean, between Bryce Young and Will Anderson, do they? I mean, you can make a case that they have the best one-two players in college football, like just all yeah. around, yeah, all around players. Um, Will Anderson, I think, has a shot. I'm confident he's got a shot at the Heisman this year as a defensive player. Uh, I think there's if if there's a year to do it, it's this year because, um, you know, Bryce Young just won it last year, and it's really hard for quarterbacks to repeat. Um, so the other big competition is obviously going to be CJ Stroud. So if he kind of doesn't make a good enough case, you can see where um, Will Anderson could kind of sneak in. So keep an eye out for that. I think he's also going to be a top five player. So Alabama, big time favorites. What else are we confident about in the SEC? Uh, I'm I'm confident in Kentucky being a football school. I know that there was some uh, beef between Mark Stoops, the football coach, and uh, coach Cal with the basketball team, but I'm, I'm really excited about um, seeing Will Levis in action this year. I was actually just watching highlights of him the other day. Um, Obviously I don't think Kentucky can compete at the top, top of the sec, but I think that consistently being competitive in the league um, over multiple years, I think is a really exciting thing for Kentucky football now. They don't have Wandale Robinson. He got drafted, but they do have Will Levis, and uh, he's he's been getting a lot of NFL draft hype. And so I'm interested to see how Kentucky kind of handles those uh, really unquantifiable uh, preseason expectations uh, for uh, quarterback hype, and see if uh, they can have another good season. Yeah, I think uh, I think Kentucky is going to be here to stay as kind of an up and coming. Uh, riser in the SEC. Um, also, 
going to throw it out there that Georgia is still going to be very dominant, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see like what they're, what do they do with like now? I mean, they've lost so many players to the draft. Their entire defense is going to look completely different. Um, obviously George Pickens isn't there anymore, but he wasn't there for a while because he was injured. So interested to see what, what Georgia does, but they've been loaded up on talent for so long that, you know, they're just going to basically plug and play the next, you know, superstars. So um, also want to talk about Florida real quick um, with Billy Napier. So I don't think we're confident that Billy Napier is going to be fantastic right away, but I think we're confident that he's going to be really interesting right away. Um, yeah. And that's why I think it kind of slots into our curious slash confident. Um, so how do we think the Billy Napier, you know, journey is going to be? I mean, I, I, I got a hunch that it's going to be, when it's going to be, when it's bad, it's going to be really bad. And when it's good, it's going to be great. So we're going to have this kind of roller coaster of back and forth, yeah yeah i mean like the the uh advantage that you have with just being in the sec period is that you can have a first year head coach in his first game have a team like utah coming in and like florida's not really being considered as too much of an underdog in this game obviously utah is a top 10 team uh coming off a rose bowl appearance this year yeah, they got going the town right? going the down to Florida, but even though Florida doesn't necessarily have all their ducks in a row, like that talent could come up and beat a really good team like Utah, uh, if they if Utah doesn't travel well. And I just I'm I'm interested in just with what I've what what Billy Napier has said about like exercising patience with the rebuild. I really I think that this season is going to be a roller coaster for Florida because obviously with the talent that um, Anthony Richardson has, there's going to be some pretty high highs because when you have a guy like that under center, if he's good, which we've seen in small doses, that is going to be really exciting. However, my theory is that it's going to get really ugly and that's what he wants to show fans. I think he wants to kind of like, bring them right to the edge of the cliff and scare everybody and then be like, okay, now you see why this is going to be a long rebuild. Obviously it helps being in the sec. It helps to already have talent there, which is why a lot of people are optimistic that, you know, maybe they bounce back pretty quickly, but I think that he is committing to the long build here. And I'm excited about that just because um, it sounds like he's put together a really good staff and obviously a, a, a subplot point here is going to be um, the rivalry between LSU and Florida and uh, LSU choosing to not hire Billy Napier when he was in state at Louisiana and uh, a rival team like Florida being able to uh, grab him and uh, see kind of how that plays out. And also uh, Travis Etienne has a brother and he is uh, playing for Florida now and his name is, uh, is Trevor. Interesting. Um, also on that note, uh, just Billy Napier in general, um, how do you think he's going to do recruitment wise? Cause he's kind of been all over the place, uh, early, you know, they were kind of struggling and now they're starting to, you know, get some steam, but, um, do you think it's going to be the same high level Florida recruiting or do you think he's going to kind of do it his way? I think he might start out by doing it, uh, 
his way to begin with, but I think it's very easy to recruit to Florida. And uh, it's it'll be tough that early those early years because, um, like you say, if they show the ugly side, maybe that attracts young recruits there to be like, oh, I can be part of the solution. It's Florida. I want to play at Florida. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I think it. I think Napier getting tested on the recruiting trail um, is something I'm interested to see with how his approach compares to some of the other coaches in the SEC. Yeah. So moving gears here of, of other things that we're curious about, um, South Carolina and Spencer Rattler, I think this is going to be a super underrated storyline that like, I don't know, some people are talking about, but it's still like not that big of a deal. Like Spencer Rattler is now in the SEC. Like I don't like, like last year at this time, we were talking about Spencer Rattler being like QB one in the drafts, like top yeah. five pick. And now it's like, he's in the SEC. That's yeah. super, that's super interesting. Like super yeah. interesting. Um, I'm 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 ready for it. I want to see what he does. Um, I also think with Shane Beamer there, like there's a chance he could completely bounce back and be like a rock star player. And I think that'd be super fun to watch, just to see like South Carolina do something. So, yeah, and I think it like it doesn't really. Um, I think it'd be really interesting if South Carolina is good because it would kind of in a way that the transfer portal has really done is throw the, uh, the rebuild kind of out the window where in the era of the portal and um, new coaches coming into new situations, um, you can be competitive very quickly. And I think this could be a really interesting example of that. Now, like you said, Rattler comes into Columbia being QB one Heisman favorite just a year ago. And now people, the memory that they have of them is, you know, getting booed, getting benched for uh, getting replaced by Caleb Williams. Now uh, Beamer was on the offensive staff at Oklahoma before he came to SC. So that's kind of how they uh, matched up. But yep. um, Beamer came into a pretty tough job when he, uh, he came in last year and they were able to go to a bowl game and win that game in his first year. And huge. Uh, like I said, it's like, you're a little bit ahead of schedule here and like not quite like Michigan state where you just get a huge influx of talent through the mm -hmm. transfer portal, but you get a high upside transfer quarterback in year two. Um, that's really interesting. South Carolina has their whole offensive line coming back, but they weren't a fantastic O line this year, this past year, but maybe just the experience makes them a little better. Um, they've got a transfer receiver coming in uh, Christian Beal Smith from Wake Forest. They've got a good tight end. They've got a, got a uh, good receiver. Um, and I think this team is just going to be really, really exciting. Um, I I think, obviously, like, it's going to take a while for people to get bought in on Rattler again. But, like, he could be right up there with, uh, with Stroud and Young if he's good in terms of, you know, draft type. Um, yeah. And I, I've, I've got to say, South Carolina starts with Arkansas – and Georgia is at South Carolina week three. And it's going to be tough to figure this out so early. But if Spencer Rattler is good and this team is fun to watch and he lights it up the first two weeks, I have to believe that ABC would want to televise this uh, South Carolina's iconic sandstorm entrance in uh, primetime on ABC for this Georgia game. Because that is one of those atmospheres that's really been down this decade. And, you know, you think of 
you know, the whiteout game that mm-hmm. ESPN has done such a great job of televising, you know, Clemson's entrance. Like this is right up there with, with the like Virginia tech. I really think obviously this has nothing to do with the actual team, but like, this could be one of the scenes of college football this year is uh, if Spencer Rattler can bring the Gamecocks back and it doesn't have, they don't have to go to a new year's six game. They could go eight and four. It's just like yeah. the, atmos- the atmosphere coming back. And I, yeah. I mean, I think they Something will. I'm so interested in. Yeah. Even just looking at their schedule, I mean, they started it. Okay. They go Georgia state and then they do Arkansas, Georgia, Charlotte, South Carolina state. So right away they could start three and two if things go bad. Like that's probably worst case scenario. They start three and two, then they go to Kentucky in October. Um, yeah. That Kentucky game's huge. Like if they win that Kentucky game, boom, they're four and two going into a bye week and then they get Texas A&M at home. So yeah. like, I think things can like, like things can work for South Carolina. Cause they're going to be able to get the, they're going to be able to get the offense working early. They're going to be able to test themselves early. And, and I think it's going to carry them through um, their, their SEC slate. The big one though, is like, I mean, they, they, their last three games at Florida home versus Tennessee and at Clemson, that is absolutely brutal way to start end the season. So especially depending on how Clemson does this year, which we're going to get into in a little bit. So, yeah, but let's, uh, let's move, let's move gears. Let's keep going. Uh, Tennessee Hendon hooker can live up to the hype of expectations. Is he one of the top quarterbacks in college football? And also, We'll get to this later, but is he a draft a draft pick that you would take? Like, is he is he a is he a, a is he a good quarterback in a prospect sense? Yeah, I I'm interested to see how he kind of factors into the prospect discussion. But I mean, Tennessee is another one where they just were very competitive uh, in uh, Josh Heupel's first year. But Hendon Hooker wasn't the guy last year; it was Joe Milton, and uh, Hendon came in at some point in the season and he uh he lit it up and i think that people are interested to see if tennessee can continue the momentum because this this is what happens every time tennessee shows a little bit of promise the hype train just gets way too out of hand and people are talking about hendon hooker as a heisman contender as a top nfl draft prospect yeah and keeping all of this unnecessary preseason uh hype on them uh Josh Peiple's offense is very easy. And so I, I think that this Tennessee team is going to be electric, but I'm skeptical about them, uh, you know, competing in the SEC um, week in and week out, especially with uh, some of the teams that they draw in their own division. And then obviously they get Alabama every year. Um, so I'm not quite sure. I'm not just, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because, like, Rattler, if he's good, I mean, that makes the SEC so exciting. Oh, yeah, of course. And it's already – even without that, it's already very exciting. Um, they have a, they have an interesting schedule. So, they go they go Ball State at Pitt, home versus Akron, and then home versus Florida. And then they're off on a bye week, and they go at – and then they go to LSU. So, um, they could start 4-0, be in LSU in Death Valley on October 8th which could be mm-hmm. a really cool game, depending on how LSU does, of course. But um, I like this for, for Tennessee. Um, it'll, it'll depend on their O-line, of course. Um, but if they can keep the offense geared up like they had last year and improve the defense, I think they could be a, a little bit of a dark horse in the SEC to kind of steal some, te- some games off of some of the big teams. So 
something yeah. to keep an eye on there. Um, moving gears, Arkansas, are they going to maintain the momentum that they had from last season? Yeah, this is a team where I think they're going to be, you know, regressing a little bit uh, after the excitement of last season. I just think the SEC is too competitive for Arkansas to be what they were two years in a row. And I would love to be, I'd love to be proven wrong. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about quarterbacks here. I'm not quite sure where, uh, where KJ Jefferson fits in, in terms of the quarter quarterback uh, rankings in the SEC. Um, Probably pretty, pretty, I don't know. Mm, he could be, he could be upper half. I can yeah. See. Cause, cause, Traylon Burks is gone. Which was and, their entire offense last year. Yeah, pretty much. But I just kind of – so, like – but and then here's my other thing is could K.J. Jefferson kind of be like a Lamar Jackson type guy that carries a team like Arkansas There's, in the NFC? I mean – Because I just – I get that vibe about him. Yeah, but I mean – the thing is, like, you have to be better than Lamar Jackson to carry a team in the SEC. Sure. I don't think K.J. Jefferson is better than Lamar Jackson. I, I don't really think he's close. I mean, in terms of carrying a team, maybe. But I don't know. I I, I think going from what they did last year as uh, we're just going to give the ball to Traylon Burks every play and just, just hand it off to him, throw five-yard slants to him, just wherever he's at, That that is yeah. the offense. And then resetting that. And being like, okay, now we're going to play out of the quarterback's hands uh, is extremely hard to do. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty skeptical on, on how they do this year. Um, we'll see. The interesting thing is, is like they start the season off against Cincinnati at home. Yeah, they have a pretty tough schedule. And yeah. uh, that's not how I would want to open if I'm – honestly, if I'm either team, if I'm Cincinnati or Arkansas, like that – I don't want that. That's one of the more interesting week one games. I'll have to say. I agree. Yeah. That yeah. one. I think we talked about that before when we were looking at the week one slate. But yeah. That, that's a super interesting game. Um, and then, I mean, after that, it's brutal. It's, it's South Carolina at home, Missouri state at home. So they'll win that. So they might start one and two and then they get Texas A&M, Alabama, at Mississippi State, at BYU. I mean, that's brutal. Go to they start BYU. They like, could, they why could, are you doing that? Why? Why? They could easily start, what is that, two and seven, something like that? Yeah. And the, I will say they've done historically pretty well in that A&M game. Right, yeah. But A&M this year is uh, locked and loaded. Yeah. So – it's honestly something I didn't even think to mention on our list for the SEC is anything about AM because honestly, I'm just curious about them. We do this thing every year with AM. I want to see it first. I got to see it through the first few weeks. Show, show me who's going to start. Show me how it's going to work. And then we can talk because just, I'm just not interested in that hype at all. I need to see it. I mean, there are certain teams that you just have to – you have to witness them work in order to buy in. And, and this is one of the teams that I need to, to witness before I buy in. So, yeah. And, you know, bottom line, they're literally a quarterback away. So if they can figure that out, if Max Johnson from LSU, yeah. you know, maybe. But also, like, he didn't do shit at LSU. We already saw him there. So, right. 
Um, it's not looking good, but they also have a ton of money and they have a ton of good recruits and a ton of good players. And they might have one of, if not the most talented rosters top to bottom. Yeah. So, who knows? That's, that's what's just curious is like, we just saw Georgia put it all together. I don't know if I just. Yeah, but also like Georgia was like three or four, maybe five years ahead of what sure. Texas A&M was doing. Sure. You have to keep in mind. So, yeah. I'm interested, I'm interested in the skill position talents like the Devin A. Chain and uh, Antonio Johnson. Like those are good skill position talents, but if, it depends on who's throwing them the ball. Yeah. It's true. So, but we also, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what Max Johnson does, but, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because his situation at LSU is pretty poor and lackluster. Uh, so if Jimbo can get anything out of him, I think they'll be, I mean, they're going to be good, but yeah. are they going to, are they going to be elite? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, like, let's, like I was going to say, like Johnson on the defensive end, it's like they, there's going to be a lot of receivers that, and I'm going to have to stop and then just, it, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think this is a team that has shown they can't handle preseason or any sort of expectations. Yep. And I'm going to have to see it. So let's shift gears over here to concerned in, in the SEC. Um, I want to talk about this because you and I are kind of at different ends with Georgia. I do think that Georgia is here to stay. However, I am very concerned that starting Stetson Bennett in 2022 is going to hurt them as a program. There is some real talent at quarterback waiting in Athens. You got Brock Vandegrift. You got a couple other guys there. I understand that they just won a national. That there's going to be a point. That there's going to be a point this year where they're going to have to pull him and it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Do you think Brock, do you think any of the other quarterbacks are, are really, are really ready for it? Um, I think. And I guess the other thing is too, like yeah. what, what I'm looking at is like, okay. But even if they're not ready for it, I mean, the offense didn't exactly lose that many players. I mean, right. They still have both of their star tight ends. And right. Brock Bowers is probably going to be a first-round tight end. You know, he's an absolutely great player. Um, graded as the first overall tight end in college as a freshman. Um, so he's coming back. They have a couple other players in terms of the wide receiver room that are going to be good. So, I mean, it's not like Stetson Bennett has to do anything that he hasn't already done. Right. But the defense isn't going to be able to carry the way that they were. That's what. That's why, because I think he might be asked to do more, and I think that could get them in, in into some trouble. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, their schedule is not hard. Their schedule is actually yeah. extremely easy. They have Oregon at home, then Samford at South Carolina, Kent State, Mizzou, Auburn. Vanderbilt. That's literally how they start the season until their bye week in mid-October. Like, who are they going to lose to there? Um, then they go home versus Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Georgia Tech. I mean, there's literally zero powerhouses on that roster. 
teams that are like penciled in, this team is is better. So I mean, they could run into some trap games, Florida, Tennessee, maybe Kentucky, maybe South Carolina, but still it's like other than that, I mean, their their schedule is lined up for them to, to absolutely tear through and kind of reset. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because the reset year for them could just be win every game and make it to a New Year's six. Yeah. But then but that's where I'm worried is if you have that talent, like how long is a guy like Brock Vandegrift willing to wait to get his shot? Well, if he sees it's like, kind of I mean, if you're him, think about it, if you're him, it makes sense because like how are how is Georgia supposed to pull Stetson Bennett? Stetson Bennett. Like how? Right. I mean, he's the he's the Georgia kid, the great story, and he just won a natty. So how I mean there's literally like how do you pull a guy like that? Right. So I think he understands. Maybe he doesn't agree with it, but I think he'll stick around for the long haul because he's in a good situation. One of the things I heard about the Arch Manning, like, recruitment is that he was really close to Georgia because of the offensive line. Because he really – because, like, the offensive line was so good and they believed in it that it was, like, that's why Georgia was top tier on his list and, like, from my perspective, I just think Georgia is a great place for a quarterback to go because they they have everything else set up. The infrastructure is there from yeah. an offensive line perspective, wide receiver room, tight ends are being utilized well. Like you have the support there, so it's like I mean for Brock for Brock Vandergriff, like he might not want to. I mean, what other situations better than that? You know you're you know you're going to have the spot as soon as Seth Bennett graduates. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and switch some gears here. Um, yeah, I'm, LSU. Let's talk about LSU real quick. Uh, concerned about LSU, maybe. Yeah, I just it's another one, kind of like uh, you know, A and M is. I just kind of got to see it. Like I don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback for them. Uh, Kayshawn Butte is still there, so they have receiver talent, but I think that it's kind of the opposite of Florida in a way, where Billy Napier told Florida fans that they should chill out and maybe some of them had have but I'm more excited about seeing Florida this year because I know that they have talent whereas Brian Kelly's LSU team it seems kind of harder to get excited about them because of the state of that program after Orgeron was fired and all of that time for players to portal out. And that's um, that's why I have Auburn on this list too, because obviously like Auburn tried to fire Brian Harson this winter. And yeah. I'm sure that they still want to. And I'm worried about Auburn because if they decide to fire Harson after like three, four weeks, Auburn is going to be a smoking crater all year because it's all of those players. You're going to see players, you know, quit portal out all this stuff. Yeah. And just like, that's really how the portal can damage a team when you fire a coach so early in the process. Obviously, yeah, it gives you time to get your get your pick of the next guy, but in terms of roster management, it's not ideal. Yeah, yeah, because nobody wants to put bad film on tape, right? And if you're a player, yeah, you know, playing in a bad system or playing under, you know, a dumpster fire, you're just putting bad tape out there if you're not playing better than everybody else on the field. So better option for them to get out and, you know, join 
you know, go into the transfer portal, go somewhere else. But I think, I think the transfer portal really um, exaggerates both winning and losing because players will go to great programs and players will leave dumpster fires before it happens and kind of like add to the misery. So I think you're right there. I think it'll be interesting to see what Auburn does this year, but I think they're going to be down and out for, for some time. So, well, enough of the SEC. Um, let's go ahead and jump over to the Big Ten. Let's start talking about what we're confident about for the Big Ten. Um, take it away with Maryland. Okay. I've been talking to you about Maryland for a while. And I just, I want, like, I'm confident in a certain aspect of this team that this is the year that Maryland gets somebody. It's the same thing with South Carolina. I'm not saying that they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Maryland has always been the team where they've been close. They've been a great September team. They have gotten close against some of the teams in the Big Ten. There's been excitement. There's been talent at quarterback, but they haven't been able to stay healthy. Mike Loxley, with his recruiting and some of the talent that he's attracted, think about Talia Tungavailoa. You think of Rakeem Jarrett, this awesome receiver. They got Jacob Copeland in the portal from Florida. I am very confident that this is the year that Maryland gets somebody, gets an upset, and is able to parlay that into – more recruiting wins, and really building themselves as a program in the Big Ten. And I really think they need to score that upset before they can really start building the program because, like, that is the next step for them is to get that program-defining win. And that's like Maryland hasn't had that. And I think that this is the year they can put it together and do something like that and – just see where that takes them. Like you remember that, that Ohio state game a couple of years ago where like they were so close. It was like a two point conversion or something Yeah, where mm-hmm. they were right there with Ohio state. They've been so close so many times. There's like, there's no real, I don't know. There's no real anything about yeah. Maryland football. And it's just like, I, I really, I'm confident that this is a year that they can do that because honestly they don't have to be talented to like they they have the talent to jump up one week and do it it doesn't have this talent doesn't have to be firing on all cylinders all year but i do think they have the talent to one week boom what the heck happened maryland just hung 50 ohio state yeah i mean they have an absolute monster of a trio in their wide receiver room um which i think is going to carry them plus they have a they have a great quarterback that we at least we think so and talia um so just with those two combined, I think they can hang with anybody. You know, it's just going to be a matter right. of can their defense and their front seven um, really give them a chance. So, but if you look at their, if you look at their schedule, you know, it's really interesting to see, you know, what if week four, they go to Michigan and win. That's what, that's one of the Michigan games I want to try and go to this year because it's yeah, real. that would be extremely interesting. Um, but the thing, the thing about the thing about Maryland is they're is they're kind of screwed because they're in like the the harder side of the Big Ten, right? And so to really like make that take that next step, you kind of have to to really beat almost everybody, and it's it's a lot. I mean, it's you know, Indiana, Wisconsin, Ohio State, 
Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, that's you know, it's ninety percent of 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 what the Big Ten hangs their hat on. Like that's everything right there. And this Maryland trying to you know work their way in. So I think if I think it's really got to come together for Maryland this year. Um, and they've been they've been slowly building in the recruiting front for some time now. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been stealing players away randomly. Yep. Um, and I think this is kind of going to be maybe the year that they that they put it together. So, yeah, forward to seeing Maryland. But I also and I'm going to I'm going to just do this right now because we're talking about Maryland and the concerns in the concerns section. Um, I put Talia's draft stock. So one of the things that I always hate in, in college football is we start the year with like this list of guys who we're, we're like pretty confident about are going to be our, our draft picks for quarterbacks. Um, yeah. And we do the pick six too. And, you know, very rarely does, does all of those guys, you know, make it to the NFL draft and then stay as like their first round guy, their second round guy, whatever they're, they're, they're a guy you want to build a franchise around. Um, it's usually almost never the guys we think before the season starts. Um, right. But when it is, it's like those top elite guys. It's like when, you know, when Trevor Lawrence is coming in and, and Tua was coming in, like the elite guys, you know, they're, you know, they're going to be great. They always stay. Everybody else is kind of a shakeup. So um, I'm a little concerned just to see, because if it doesn't happen for Maryland this year, if they don't take that next step, if they don't do what we're saying they need to do, um, Talia is probably going to be a little bit of a culprit for that not yeah, happening. Definitely going to be the reason. Yeah, and then it's like he could take a big hit in terms of his uh, his image and, and how he pans to the next level. So um, he's kind of a glass cannon right now. I think he could shoot up the the you know the draft stock, internet waves. I think he could also burn down really quickly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Let's talk about something else we're confident in. You are uh, you're bullish on Michigan State. I am very bullish on Michigan State um the only reason why is I just I really think Mel Kiefer I'm not Mel Kiefer could you imagine Mel Kiefer Mel Tucker is a very good coach um and I think all Michigan fans know that too which is why they hate his guts um so you know obviously he got kind of lucky with Kenneth Walker I understand that but he was he was, you know, building really well at Colorado beforehand, and now he's made his way into Michigan State and done some really cool things so far. They are now pulling in more four-star recruits in their classes than they ever have, and um, they have one of the top wide receiver players in the country in Jaden Reed. So yeah. I'm just saying Michigan State is going to be – uh, I think around for a while. The fact that they locked him up is going to be great for their program. I just think the upside with Mel Tucker is much higher than the chance that this was a fluke and it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think the big concern, obviously the only concern that they really had on the offensive side of the ball is losing Kenneth Walker the third, and they were able to retool with uh, – two running backs in the portal. Uh, you got Jarek uh, Broussard coming over from uh, Colorado, and then you got another running back coming in from Wisconsin. Uh, so they can just run it back at that position. Um, and other otherwise, there's a lot of talent on the offense that's still there. Um, yeah. And I, I just I, – and it's, it's the scariest thing because I do think Mel Tucker is an amazing coach, and he's a master motivator, and he knows what – needs to be done in East Lansing, but yeah. 
I, I'm interested to see how they do this year because I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan has a better record, but Michigan State beats them, and we're looking at kind of a the maybe, same thing. Well, I mean, that's generally yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing every year where you know maybe Michigan goes ten and two, and Michigan State goes you know nine and three, eight and four, um, and Michigan State is debatably the better team. I am interested in Michigan State's uh, trip to Washington on in week three. Um, Washington, even though they uh, switched over coaches, I think some people are pretty interested in, in them kind of being competitive right off the bat. Um, and so I think that'll be an interesting test for Michigan State, kind of the same way they went down to Miami last year and were able to win that game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Michigan State is definitely interesting because I do think that they are going to – there's no way they're going to go 4-8 and eight or something this year. They yeah. are going to be a competitive force in this league under Mel Tucker as long as he's there. Yep, and I think they're going to they're gonna keep building and, and get slowly better and better. Um, I think they can do some cool things, and I think it's really interesting that recruits have actually been able to see – Michigan State in the playoffs before. Yes. Um, so the proof's in the pudding. It's possible Michigan State can do it. And now they have the coach to do it too. So, um, and yeah. I don't even, I don't really even like Michigan State. I don't like the fans, but you got to respect Mel Tucker. Yeah. And it's a different kind of vibe under him where it's easier kind of to root for them. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Or even not hate them. Not, not hate them. Yes. Yeah. Or it's easier to respect them, I think. Exactly. That's how I feel with, uh, with Ben Roethlisberger being out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is so a quick, this is a quick one really, uh, really fast. I'm confident in the veteran experience at Minnesota paying off. Hopefully Mo Ibrahim at running back is finally healthy. Tanner Morgan is still there. I think he's going to go right to coaching after this. He's been there so long, but I think Minnesota's going to, uh, I think Minnesota can honestly win that side of the division this year. I'm confident in their veteran experience. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be back. Um, okay, let's talk about Penn State real quick in the curious section. So I'm, I'm curious about Penn State for a little bit of kind of the same reasons that we talk about Maryland, but um, on like the sort of next level. Um, you know, they've been building for a while, um, but they've always been that kind of that tier below um, – Michigan and Ohio state as like, those are your, your two teams you're kind of, you know, counting on in the big 10 and then, and then get yeah. Penn state right underneath there as yeah. like, uh, they're always up there in the rankings They make the big 10 look good, but they're not like, they're not your top dog. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's like, how many years is Penn state going to keep doing this where they're like, they they're good enough every single year. They're looking great, but they never, never take the next step. So I'm curious to see, like, is this the year that they do that or is they're just going to keep doing the same shit? Yeah. Uh, obviously on the defensive side of the ball, losing Brent Pry as a defensive coordinator, um, that's going to be an interesting test because uh, now Manny Diaz comes in after uh, his stint at Miami and the, uh, the defense has been pretty good the last few years and they're going to have to, they're going to have to keep that going. But um, yep. I, I guess it all depends on the health of Sean Clifford. feels like he's been there forever um, because they've got a five-star quarterback, Drew Alar, who's being heralded as the quarterback of the future, where when Sean Clifford went down last year, 
at in that Iowa game, Taquan Roberson came in and could not could not keep up for for Penn State, and they ended up losing that game. And uh, once Sean Clifford kind of went down, uh, their season kind of spiraled after that. So, like, what if the same thing happens where either Sean Clifford can't stay healthy or he's not good? Like, do you throw this guy out if if he's if uh, Drew Alar is more talented? Do you throw him out there and see what he can do? Um, they do to eat with uh if you're you know if you're being pushed by ohio state you're being pushed by michigan state in michigan like is that is that your play yeah. to make that next step in this program um so I'm, I'm interested in how that plays out for them uh they've got to go down to auburn in week three they have a really honestly penn state's got a pretty easy start to the season where they could it could kind of be the same setup as last year where they win a bunch right off the bat. Um, they've got Purdue. At, they go to Purdue, and Purdue was good last year. So that's an interesting test to start the season. Kind of this it was kind of weird because Penn State started the year at Wisconsin last year. So they go Purdue, Ohio, Auburn, Central Michigan, Northwestern, and then they go to Michigan. Yep. So they easily should. Be, I think they should be five and zero going into that Michigan game. Um, and so, who knows how much hype they'll have with that record uh, against that schedule. But I think it's yeah. kind of the same thing that's going to happen to Penn state where they're going to start fast and fade down the stretch. Once they get into that, uh, the meat of the big 10 schedule. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think they do can Sean Clifford, if things go South, especially within those first five weeks um, for Drew Allard, just because like he's been there for now, this is his fourth year starting. And it's like, Penn State fans are like, okay, like, can we can we do something finally? Like, can you can we take the next step? So I think they're a little on edge, um, a little antsy. And I think if you know he gives opportunity for somebody else to come in, I think I think they'll take it. So um, I also want to mention they end the season at Michigan State, which I think could be a really interesting matchup on Rivalry Weekend. Yeah. Um, like, well, it's home. It's home this year. It's what? It's it's at Penn State this year. No, it's at Michigan State. No. Oh, that's not what this says. Looking at the wrong thing. Okay. Well, either way, good matchup. Um, okay. And then they've got they've got some defensive guys that were hurt last year um, that are going to be coming back. So hopefully that um, that talent coming back helps them out. Um, yeah, they did lose quite a bit in the draft. Yeah, they got uh, John Dotson, um, the edge rusher that went to. Yeah, Arnold. Ar- Arnold uh, BK, um, Jaquan but, Brisker. Yeah, Br- Brisker. I think I think they're gonna miss Brisker this year. But I, uh, too. I think he's gonna Joey, be really good for the Bears. Yeah, you got Joey Porter in there at corner, so uh, we'll see if he can do anything. But then you, uh, Parker Washington is still at, at uh, receiver, and uh, he was a pretty heralded recruit when he came in. So uh, maybe he's the next great Penn State receiver. Yeah, I think he will be. Um, they're still gonna be great. They've been recruiting great for some years. Um, yeah. Let's. Let's move over to some of our concerns section. Um, so, so Graham Mertz, if you want to talk about. Yes. Quick. Yeah. My concern is that Graham Mertz is uh, holding back Wisconsin from a Big Ten title game appearance because Wisconsin could totally ride Braylon Allen all the way to Indianapolis this year. Um, and I think that Mertz is holding them back. When, yeah. when he, like, we, just – I, Wisconsin, I think, is always going to be a team that's a quarterback away with what how that team is built 
and what you could do if the quarterback was above average. Yeah. Well, it's kind of weird too because Graham Mertz was like supposed to be like that guy that would make them like yeah. work as you know from the quarterback perspective, and now it's just like the same thing of oh he's not enough. It's the quarterback again. I'm starting to feel like it's not the quarterback in yeah. Wisconsin. Like I'm starting. It's yeah. like it's like we've been painting the culprit for so long. Maybe it's time to say like the offensive scheme is a problem. Yeah. So maybe this is the year that things break down in Wisconsin. Like I could totally see it happening, but like when they talk about Graham Mertz improving even slightly, it's like, where, like where in the offense does he improve slightly? I mean, it's just like the way that their offense works. I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't bring out the best in the quarterback. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, their running game is going to be scary. Obviously, Braylon Allen is their new bell cow, but you've also got Chaz Malusi in there who's uh, held up pretty well. But it's really the passing attack that needs to be developed, which is going to be through the quarterback, where it can't all be on the running backs. And there's got to be more creativity in the scheme. Um, Wisconsin is, I think people are, optimistic about Wisconsin, but I'm I'm worried that their growth and their success is going to be stunted by the quarterback position. Like if they get into a game late where they somehow have where they go to Ohio State and like they somehow are able to hang with Ohio State and it comes yeah. down to to Mertz making a play in the in the red zone. Like I just don't see that. Yeah. I agree. If they go to if they go to Iowa and it's late in the game, and they've got a, you you got a fourth and eight, like I don't see it. It's not and I, that's where I think that's that's where they're gonna that's where they're gonna flounder. Yep. So let's move now to the Big Twelve. Um, oh, hold on, we got to talk about the biggest concern that I have, which is Ohio State's march to Indianapolis. It's gonna make me sad, but I don't think that anybody in this conference can hang with Ohio state this year and possibly the country. Yeah. I think it's going to be, if we're taking predictions or I mean, this is our season preview. If we're taking predictions for the natty, you know, it's gotta be be Bama. Ohio State, State, Bama. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be the matchup. I mean, it's so, it's so easy, but it, but that's how college football works. It's easy to predict every year. That's the problem with the sport, and that needs to be yep. better. It needs to be improved, yep. but it's fucking too easy. If I sat up here and told you the Super Bowl matchup, I'd get it wrong every year. I can come up here and tell you the, the college football matchup for the playoff before it even happens. Yeah. Like last year, we, we could have told you it was Bama-Georgia. Like We, we did. We Everybody said it. Yeah. Bama-Georgia yeah. happens. Yeah. Wham. Nobody's surprised. All right. You think, you think Stroud, Stroud is up there with uh, Bryce Young? Uh, I think I think Bryce Young has a clear step ahead, in my opinion, from a pass throwing perspective. Like you just watch his mechanics when he throws the ball, way better than Stroud. Um, I think people are just like concerned about Bryce Young's size, which is why they have Stroud ahead. But if you watch the way that Bryce Young plays the game and the way he throws the ball, um, it really like he steps back so far in the pocket. He has such a strong arm. And he kind of lofts the ball on an angle that like his size really never matters. Like he's not really running the ball that much. He's kind of like a deep pocket passer. That's really what he does best. He just has the ability to run around when he has to. So 
I really don't think his size is going to be a big concern in the NFL. Now, if it becomes like a thing where when he gets sacked, he gets injured, maybe that's it. But um, if he gets drafted to a team with a solid offensive line, I think he's going to be a great pro. Um, I, I think the Lions would be the absolute perfect fit for Bryce Young because they have the infrastructure of the line set up. The wide receivers are great. But because of that, I think the Lions are going to win too many games. I think it's just going to wind up that the Texans are going to be sitting there at one and it's going to be yeah. a no-brainer. Yeah. So, but anyways, enough on that. We're, we're not talking about that any longer. Let's, let's go to, let's go to the big 12 and what we're confident about in the big 12. Yeah. I, uh, out of everything in the big 12, I'm confident that Baylor is going to establish itself as the class of the current and future big 12. I really like how Dave Aranda is building this team uh, on both sides of the ball. And I think that they are entering they are where they need to be in terms of competitiveness to run this conference in terms of where it is right now, where, especially where Oklahoma is right now, where Texas is right now and uh, where other teams are at in terms of rebuilds. I think Baylor's right there to, uh, to, to, seize. Run this, to run this conference, to seize control of this conference. And I'm excited about that. I think yeah. Baylor being competitive is so exciting. I mean, they've had so many ups and downs with, you know, the Matt Rule era and then uh, the lows and highs of that era. And then now Dave Aranda's in and that, how that started out low. And now it's, now it's really high again. Um, but I'm really, I'm really excited about Baylor. I'm really excited to watch them. I'm really excited to see uh, what they're capable of this year and how they stack up against uh, the competition of the big 12. Yeah. So one of the things that I'd really like to see uh, Baylor do is, is really start to recruit at a higher level. So they've been playing really well recently. And, and I think they're in a perfect spot um, to really make it to that, you know, next level. But even last year in the class of 2022, uh, they finished with an overall composite rank of, of 37. Um, and they only had basically three, four star players on their, on the recruiting class. But the good news is, is for 2023, they now have uh, already three four-star players, and one of which includes a four-star quarterback from Texas. So I think if they really start to hit the next level of recruiting, start getting those top 20 classes, maybe even top 15 classes in conjunction with the way that they've been playing, I think they'll, uh, they'll be ready for the new Big 12 when it happens, and they'll have the players and the talent because they've proven they have the coaching there. But I think once you have the coaching, you need to, to elevate – your recruiting game. So, yeah. Um, also you got Kent, you got Kansas state on here. So what do you, what do you have being kind of, yeah, I, th I think state? that uh, Kansas state is also going to be a tough out in this conference this year. Um, I think this could be their opportunity to have a really good season. Like I said, again, with uh, some uncertainty in Oklahoma um, in Oklahoma state, not really uh I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Oklahoma State. Um, but Deuce Vaughn is still there. Deuce Vaughn is very fun. Deuce Vaughn is very versatile. And uh, I think he is perfect on a team like Kansas State. And yeah. uh, I'm very confident in them just being a really solid program and a really tough out uh, week to week in this conference. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what we're curious about, I think everybody and their mother is curious to see Quinn Ewers finally play some football. Yes. Um, we've gotten just so many tapes of him on Bleacher Report throwing the ball, looking sick at a seven on seven tournament. But it's like, 
We want to see him on the field. Yeah, we want to see him. Just get, get him on. Game. Just get him on the field. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's just let's get to it. Let's see it. If he sucks, he sucks, and then we'll just we'll play Arch next year. But yeah. we want to see him. We want to see him play. Um, yeah, because that's the thing is you're only going to see him play for one year, unless Arch red shirts, which I honestly feel like he should. Yeah, because Build like, the hype up. yeah, red shirt a year, sit out a year. What are you gonna What are you gonna rush for? There's yeah. literally, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, there's literally no reason to not redshirt if you're a quarterback because, like, you can get two solid years of tape out and yeah. leave as a junior and not have to get hurt your freshman year or look bad your freshman year. And then, boom, you're in the yeah. NFL and you're, and you're looking pretty. Like, that's all you have to do. It's what Daniel Jones did. Oh, yeah. It's what everybody oh. else does. So – you know, Arch can do the same thing. Let Quinn Ewers play. Come in the following year, tear it up. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Also, very interested to see what uh, what Oklahoma State does this year. Um, yeah. I've always Oklahoma State's always been this weird team to me, where you don't really see them during the regular season. You just hear that they're like they're doing pretty good. They're winning games. Yeah. And then when you do see them on a big stage, like they were last year for the Big 12 championship, they yeah. just lose and they look terrible. And, and you yeah. just have this sour taste of like what you think Oklahoma State is. But from a program standpoint, historically, presently, yeah. future, like we talk about Baylor being the team to seize the new Big 12, but Oklahoma State has a seat at that table too. And like if they put it together – in a better way, uh, I think they could be that team. I just think from a coaching perspective, Baylor's got them beat right now. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, like if if Oklahoma State comes out and really like does something interesting this year, it it could be them too. Yeah, I am also curious about Oklahoma State because I'm not quite there with like with them and Baylor being the Big Twelve. I'm in the Big Twelve title game. I'm more confident in Baylor kind of returning to that game yeah. than Oklahoma State. Um, they lost Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, last year. He went to Ohio State. The defense, the defense was amazing at Oklahoma State this past year. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez is one of my new favorite Detroit Lions. Uh, and uh, Which so I'm, I'm he's, sure he's going to be featured he, tonight yeah, on Hard Knocks. He's he's not there, but uh, Colin Oliver, as a freshman last year, was an absolute game record. He uh, tied for the Big Twelve lead with uh, eleven and a half sacks. So uh, that was good enough for uh, the freshman All-American team. So um, I, it's, it's kind of on both sides of the ball where it's like, okay, can you continue to do this with defense? And can you continue to do it with Spencer Sanders? Because I don't know how I feel about Spencer Sanders being a good to great quarterback in the Big 12. Um, and I really think that he, that's another place where I'm really going to have to see it. Um, yeah in terms of quarterback play and is, if he's a team that can uh, put this uh, – he's a guy that can put this team on his back. And uh, because I, th- I think, obviously, yes, the Big 12 title game left a bad taste in our mouth for Oklahoma State, but then they turned around and, like, really took it to Notre Dame in the second half of that Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. So, I think that's what I'm saying. Cowboys – yeah, we'll we'll figure it out pretty early because uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor play in week four. Um, five, be, um, week five. Sorry, I'm looking at uh, looking at a 
non-bye week schedule. Yeah, and they also, uh, I mean, Oklahoma State will come into that game with absolutely zero difficult games on their schedule. I mean, they would have played Central Michigan, Arizona State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff by that point. And then they go at Baylor. Um, yeah. So this is actually interesting. I wonder how many times this has happened, but uh, Oklahoma State won't play a they won't play an away game till October. Wow, it's kind of a weird, weird stat. That is weird. I don't know how many teams don't play away games till October, um, but yeah, I think they got a chance. We'll see. That's going to be a big game, huge game, actually. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I'm curious about in the Big Twelve is the rebuild at TCU. I think it's going to be a very long-term build that's going to kind of coincide with when they, uh, when we're in the new Big 12. But I like TCU. I would love to see TCU return to the uh, Trevon Boykin era where they're just super fun. Like, yeah, their, their uniforms. Like, obviously, so we always sick. we do. We talk about like growing up with Notre Dame's uniforms, but TCU's have all. Or not, sorry, not Notre Dame. Uh, Oregon. Oregon's uniforms yeah. and how sick they are, but TCU is like right up there. Just say they're literally neck and neck stuff. with the fucking dopest shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, and I think Sonny Dykes is the absolutely the right guy to, uh, drive, uh, drive this ship into, uh, a new era of TCU football. And we're really going to see kind of how badly Gary Patterson held them back in his later years because I think he did to an extent. Um, yeah, and that's I, I definitely agree. ended so poorly uh, for TCU this past year. But uh, Max Duggan is still there at quarterback. It'll be interesting to see if uh, he's the guy. Um, and uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I agree. I think TCU is like the, the sixth school that we all thought when we were looking at the uniforms as little kids. Uh, they just never put the the best product on the field like Oregon did, which is why they are always going to be uh, tier two in the power rankings for uniforms. So, yeah, but I think they sneakily have better uniforms than Oregon. Yeah, it's my hot take. So, yeah, I the like ones, that. The ones with like how they got the 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 horns on the collar, yeah. and then they yeah. have the one, yeah. the one so helmet cool. with the with the red face mask, but it only goes down like the middle section. Yeah, oh, so sick. So sweet. Yeah. All right, let's make a pivot over to the ACC. Or actually, let's, no, we still have to do concern for concern for Big Twelve. Two big concerns for the Big Twelve. Now we can move on. Number one is Iowa State's inevitable regression back to the middle of the pack and what that does for Matt Campbell's future job prospects. And uh, I'm worried about West Virginia and Neil Brown. And if he's going to be able to show enough progress in year four, he's got some tough non-conference matchups against uh, Pitt week one, the backyard brawl, and then later on with Virginia Tech. And uh, those are two teams I'm concerned about in uh, in the Big 12, if they're going to be able to show enough this year that uh, the head man is still working. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think I'm uh, pretty low on West Virginia as of right now. That, that Virginia Tech game is going to be tough, too, because that's on a, it's on a Thursday night in Blacksburg, and uh, that's for the Black Diamond Trophy. Yeah. Um, that's a huge rivalry between both schools, and West Virginia actually won that game last year, but in a really weird way. So I think Virginia Tech's going to be super pissed off this year. Yeah. Uh, ready to go. So what else we got? ACC. What are we confident about? Mario Cristobal. 
I think Mario Cristobal. I think Mario Cristobal is going to come out right away, hitting hard. They already have the talent there. I think he's going to instill the culture. He's going to coach his ass off, and I think Miami's going to be back already in year one. Um, so that's my big, confident, hot take. Even though I hate Miami as a Virginia Tech fan, I will confidently yeah. say that Mario Cristobal is going to be great. Because, I mean, also, like, as a Cuban, you know, like Mario Cristobal is a Cuban yeah. from Miami. He's always yeah. wanted to coach at Miami and make the 305 great again. Like, he's got the passion. He's got the resume. He's got the recruiting. He's got the swag. Like, he's, he's got it. It's in the bag. Yeah. Um, I'm also interested in Miami. I'm concerned about Tyler Van Dyke hype because we've talked about this. It feels like Miami's never had the guy at quarterback that the per, the guy at Miami that always gets the hype is never the guy that ends the season. Like, yeah. back to Derek King. Wasn't there, and obviously, beforehand, like there's, there's Tyler, there too. yeah, and like Tyler Van Dyke's NFL NFL hype even is like skyrocketing, and I just I don't I don't see that, and it's like, you know, if we're talking about year two for Mario, then yes, like we're talking about with South Carolina, yes, but in year one, it's like, oh man, you don't want this inept like this quarterback if he struggles to kind of define your first year. Yeah. You know, um, and that's what I'm I'm worried about for them. But uh, I am excited just to see some different energy about, around Miami. Um, another thing I'm confident uh, confident in is Wake Forest remaining in the upper echelon of this conference in uh, Sam Hart's tenth year of eligibility. Um, <laughs> it sounds like he's away from the program for right now. So yeah, uh, I don't. I actually he, don't think he's coming so, back anytime soon. Really? Yeah, I heard what? it's like bad. It's like, uh, like bad, bad, like out for the season. Jeez, because it's non-football related. Yeah. Um, let me actually look this up. Yeah, I'll um, talk about I, something. Um, I think it's some sort of um, oh shit. Yeah, we'll we'll figure this out later. But uh, just I don't think he's coming back. It's from what I saw. Interesting. Yeah, another thing that I'm interested in is uh, or uh, confident in is Boston College defense heating up in Jeff Halfley's third year. Not so much interested in uh, Phil Jerkovic and his potential NFL draft slash top quarterback hype. Um, but I'm interested in Boston College being more competitive this year, and I think it's going to happen on the defensive side of the ball because that's Jeff Halfley's specialty. And uh, see where that puts them in the, in the, uh, in the conference. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now. I think it would be hilarious if they started four and zero cause they play Rutgers, Virginia tech, Maine and Florida state. Which are Jeez. all very, very winnable games. Um, so like, yeah. Can you imagine like a four and Boston college playing Louisville and then Clemson? It'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I think it could be coming soon. Yeah. Um, Phil Jakovic is going to be interesting to see if he like actually is, uh, is good or not. Cause he just, he's always had such high hopes and he never, never really like puts it all together. Yeah. I want him to see it, see him do it. So, um, okay. I'm curious about Clemson. You're confident in Clemson. Tell me why. Uh, cause, cause Clemson is Clemson, but more so because the ACC is, uh, is, is nothing. 
Um, I think that's the the sad part about the ACC is like, and I think this is why I'm so confident about Clemson being back is like, they, they're so much more talented than every other team that even when they're down, like they were last year, they were still right there with everybody else. Um, I think the difference though, this year is they're not going to stick with um, DJ. Yeah. Even though they announced him as a starter. Yeah, I think if he if he screws up early, they're just gonna um, go yeah. for somebody else. Yeah, um, I forgot to mention about Miami. They have a weird uh, week three matchup at Texas A and M, which is going to be a very interesting game because Tyler Van Dyke, hostile environment. There's going to be so many uh, uh, yeah. analysis of how he how he stacks up in the in the twelfth man environment. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things about Clemson is they um even though they lost Brent Venables, I still think their defense is going to be absolutely ridiculous um uh, just because uh they have a defensive lineman, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's uh Brian Brees, probably going to be one of the best players in the country. Um so their their defense is still going to be rock solid. Uh but also I think it's like interesting the way that they end the season, they go at Notre Dame and then home against Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina as their final four, which is honestly a pretty tough final four. Um, so we'll see. But I'm, I'm confident that they're still going to be like the ACC's shining object as they deteriorate into nothing while Clemson gets offered by the ACC. I mean, by the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Um, we both wrote this down for Curious. Louisville. And we had talked about this at some point this winter. They have a great recruiting class right now, which is surprising because Scott Satterfield is very much on the hot seat. Yeah. But if they go like six and six or something, do you think that Louisville would consider keeping him if that recruiting class is still intact? Um, like what, like yes, that, I think it's, I think it's job. It's gotta about. be, it's gotta be job security. Dude, they have, they have a five-star running back. They have the number one overall running back in his class, Ruben Owens. Um, they have a four-star receiver from St. John Bosco. They have a four-star quarterback from St. John Bosco. Um, another four-star quarterback from Miami. I mean, they're absolutely tearing it up recruiting. They have the 15th overall class. They have the third overall class in the ACC. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Um, they're dropping the bag on these players. So, and, and whoever's dropping the bag on these players really doesn't – it's not – it's obviously not Scott Satterfield. It's definitely the boosters. Yeah. It's definitely the people around the program. It's not the, it's not the coach coming away with this stuff. So, um, I'm actually going to say no. I don't think – I think if he performs bad, I think they'll can him because – the money's what brought the players. Like the, yeah. the money's not going to go anywhere, you know. Like if they don't play well, they can go get another coach. They certainly have the money to do it, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. I can see a scenario where where Louisville is bad. They get a new coach, and that recruiting class just stays intact. Yeah. Yeah. Another th- thing that I'm curious about is Brennan Armstrong at Virginia. I really liked watching him last year. And I think we're ta- we, we talk about, you know, the quarterbacks at the beginning of the season are never the guys that end up emerging. 
Yeah. I really think if Brennan Armstrong has a good season, he could emerge as one of these higher ranked NFL draft prospects. Yeah. Um, I'm I just agree. very like with Tony Elliott coming in there as an offensive minded guy. I really think that Armstrong could have a really good season and really put himself on the map. Obviously the, uh, I don't know how that factors into larger Virginia build in the post Bronco Mendenhall era, but I'm very interested in Brennan Armstrong as a quarterback as a prospect. Yeah. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I think he's going to carry the absolute shit out of Virginia, just like he did last year. And really if Virginia's defense is any better than they were last year, I think they're going to be a pretty good team. Uh, yeah. Not, not going to be surprised. So, yeah. uh, but I do still have Virginia on concern because the rest of the team still sucks. And the recruiting as of right now, even with Tony Elliott is, is piss poor. Um, and Brennan Armstrong is the only thing really holding that team together. Uh, and once he's gone, they're going to be looking around with, with really nothing. So uh, still concerned for, for Virginia as a whole, but I think Brennan Armstrong is going to be really cool and really fun to watch. Um, yeah. What else why are you concerned about Florida State? Why, uh, why is Florida State on here? Because it's Florida State, and I'm just I'm just concerned because it's Memphis South. It's Memphis yeah. South. That's what it is. It's just it's Memphis South right now. Like they are a total dumpster fire in my opinion, and like it's only a matter of time before they make a coaching change. And I think it's going to be early in the season rather than late in the season, especially if it's really bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, that's what I'm, that's what I think. So um, I'm not big at all on, on, uh, on Florida state, but I'm also concerned for their program because I think they need to be good for the ACC to be like, cool. Yeah. I'm worried about NC state having any level of preseason expectations. Uh, yeah, obviously just bad they for them. yeah. They lost icky to the draft. Uh, the quarterback is still there. I just can't get excited about NC State, even if they're okay. I just can't. I just don't know what it is. They're like – I think Texas, it's their uniforms. Texas A&M, like, yeah, I can't get excited about the uniforms. I think that's it. I think it's, it's their, never their, met their a, I think it's their logo and the fact that it's not a better and a bigger part of their uniforms. Think about it. They're the fucking wolves, dude. They're the wolves, and they can have such stuff. a sweet – jersey and uniform and all they have are those fucking dumbass tire track uniforms yep it's crap adidas stuff and the other thing i'm worried about is georgia tech fans watching jameer gibbs at alabama uh gonna have to take care of those guys i'm worried about them they're gonna be depressed yeah time depressed yeah let's move on to the pac-12 here last conference um i am confident in uh, this I, i just want to get it out Right off the bat, don't care about USC, don't care about Utah. I am confident in Oregon State reaching the peak of the Jonathan Smith era this season. Oregon is down. Washington is down. Don't know what USC is. The rise of the Beavers is coming this year, and I think they're going to be the media darling this season. They're going to be what Minnesota was a couple years ago. They're going to be exciting. I think they're going to win a lot of games. Um I'm really confident in the Beavers. They have played well the last few seasons uh, and just really built that program in the right way that makes sense for their uh, geography. 
and yeah. where we're at. Um, I am just, I'm real, I'm super confident. And the Beavers being good, even though they've, they've really struggled from time to time. I think this is, you think this is when they're going to turn around finally? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, they open with Boise state, Fresno state. That's kind of tough Montana state. And then they get USC at home week four. I just, I, I, it's a tough schedule, but I am just, I'm confident in them. Yeah. I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, they're heading in the right direction. PFF actually has them ranked pretty high at 56 out of 130. Yeah. Upper half. Huge. Um, what else do we have for the Pac-12? Also, this is going to be huge. Whatever USC does is going to be really cool. Um, just watching Lincoln Riley um, yeah. at USC is going to be awesome. I feel like their, their offense is going to be so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, which is, I hope it. I hope it works. I hope it's great. Just because like USC is so cool, and like if they're yeah, if they're if they're back, you know, I I don't even care if I don't like USC. Like it's gonna be, yeah. it's gonna be they're sweet. gonna be so fun to watch. They're gonna be so sick. Like it's gonna be awesome. So hope USC is good. Um, what else are we, are we confident I'm, about? Also, I'm also confident in Utah being the class of this conference until proven otherwise. I think that. Yeah, unfortunately. At USC, it sucks that USC is getting all of the the hype, but show me like I if Utah goes down to Florida week 1 and wins that game, like I think I think Utah is going to be in a really good spot because as we'll talk about here in a minute, I think Cam if Cam Rising takes that next step, they could be a really good team. They uh, obviously don't have Devin Lloyd anymore, mm-hmm. but Utah's always been a tough out. And uh, Cam Rising wasn't the guy that started for them last season. So maybe that's the difference of just a year of him being under center um, starting for them. It's so weird that you say Devin Lloyd because I completely forgot about Devin Lloyd. Yeah. Completely. Till just now. And now I'm like, what is he? Is he doing anything in the preseason? Is he out? I haven't heard a single thing about Devin Lloyd. And he was supposed to be like one of – Oh, he's on the Jags. Yeah, that's why I haven't heard about him. That's why. Because he's on the fucking Jags. Interesting. Completely forgot that he existed. All right. Well, let's move on anyways. Um, okay. Curious. What are we curious about? I'm curious about Arizona. Sam Pittman worked at Arkansas, and at the time, that was a very underwhelming hire. Why can't Jed Fish work at Arizona? Uh, I just, like, they had an awful season last year, but, like, why can't this work? Arizona State, oh, talk about concerned. That pro, The health of that program is on life support right now. Yeah. Well, they, just, like, Arizona, we talked we, about we, this we, so Yeah, many, we talked about so Arizona a little while ago. Like, you talk about the attraction of Arizona state as a job. Why can't Arizona be that Jaden Delora transferred in from Washington state. Uh, they have a receiver transfer that came in from UTEP. That was like one of the top receiver transfers in the nation. Um, why not? Why not Arizona? If, if not now later on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would love to see it. Um, and because you know, every time we talk about it, it's like they're in this this phenomenal location. Arizona is a good is a good state for high school recruits. Like keep the talent home. Like we can see it be good. And it's just like, why is it not good? It's so, so frustrating. Um, well, they got a lot, they got a lot to work on. Uh, yeah. But they have a legit quarterback and wide receiver. And that's a, that's a good starting place. Yeah. So I'm also curious about what direction Stanford is going. Um, they just finished with the top recruiting class in the conference. Uh, they got an old quarterback uh, taking snaps with Tanner McKee, who when he played last year, he was getting a lot of like, oh, well, he could, you know, he could be uh, this kind of quarterback in the NFL. Like he was just kind of one of those guys that ESPN kind of glommed onto. Um, could he elevate them at a time where Stanford is just kind of going the wrong direction? Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see kind of if Stanford has another bad year and uh, if David Shaw stays or if they decide to make a change, um, it's going to be interesting. Stanford being having the number two overall class in 2022 for the Pac-12 is just so weird to me. Yeah. So weird because they haven't been like great at all recently. Right. How do they just break that off? in front of like literally all the other schools that should have great classes. It's mm-hmm. so strange to me. It's like this, it, and it's like, they're not that they, and it, it's also a hard school to get into. So it's not like they're just dropping bags on anybody. Yeah. Well, maybe this is a year that Stanford is not predicted to do well. And then they just kind of come out of nowhere because they have a lot coming back. It's not necessarily good talent coming back, but just again, the experience, maybe that helps you out. Yeah. We're starting to get in like the, the post post COVID seasons where like we're starting to flush out all of those like super old teams. Yeah. Like, you know, people that were just hanging around with their COVID eligibility. Yeah. So, I mean, because I was pit last year. Yeah. Is, yeah. is, is Stanford that this year? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are you what are you curious about? I'm curious the- about well, Washington. Um UW is just they've been they've been losing me recently. I think they started losing me when they changed to Adidas. Fuck Adidas. Yeah. Um that was really when they started to to really falter. But ever since then, it's just like they're not—they can't really do anything right, and they're losing. Do they lose? They barely beat or lost to Montana State last year. They lost. Um, yeah. One. Yeah, exactly. Um, they just—they should be the the team that's finishing second in the Pac-12 in terms of recruiting rankings, not Stanford. Like they should yeah. be. They should be up there, and they're just fucking not, dude. And it's like curious. What are they gonna do? Yeah. I feel like it's just nothing. Every year. Mm-hmm. And they had that big matchup that they had planned with Michigan, and they totally screwed it over last year because they lost yeah. early in the season. So that game just yeah. didn't matter as much as it should have. Yeah. yeah. Still, still great atmosphere. I'm looking at the ticket right now. <laughs> oh, it was, such a good, it was such a good buy. I remember we were talking about that game before the season started last year. It was yeah. like, dude, that game's so sick. Yeah. And then I remember you went, and you were just like, fuck. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Well, Sam Heward is a talented quarterback that uh, 
could turn them around in short order. Um, and uh, Kalen DeBoer coming in, he's an offensive guy. So maybe it's a quick turnaround and maybe the Jimmy Lake era was just bad. Maybe it was just bad. Um, yeah, maybe. Well, actually, I think their quarterback for UW is going to be Michael Penix. Oh, that's right. Yes. They just announced that today. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Which is fucking weird, dude. So now I'm super curious. Yeah. Super curious. Does he just like Indiana, full Indiana? Does he go full Indiana? 20, 2019 mode. Yeah. It's just really good. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, I think Washington could be a quick bounce back if, uh, if Penix is good. Yeah. Okay. What else do you got? Your concerns? Um, your curious curiosities. I'm, I'm concerned about Oregon's quarterback room. Uh, Bo Nix doesn't get me excited. Ty Thompson was the the hyped up uh, recruit that they got, but uh, if they're talking about Bo Nix being the starter, then clearly Ty Thompson hasn't done enough to push him. And uh, I just yeah. I, 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 that's that worries me. Worried about Colorado just as a program, kind of not showing a lot right now. Um, worried about Chip Kelly at uh, UCLA. Yeah. Optim. Uh, Worried about Chip. Curious about Dorian Thompson Robinson still being there, um, and oh, just seeing he, what he, he can do. He's um, a player that his size like totally holds him back. Yeah, I feel like every time he throws the ball, it gets batted down. And yeah. every time he runs, he's like a sliver away from breaking it. But his size, he's just too small to do it. He's one of those guys that, like, you would have just given him an extra inch and a half. Yeah. He would have been so much better. I feel like he's one of those guys where when he came in, it was like, yeah, dude, Chip got this guy, Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's going to be great. He's going to change the DTR. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Not not, not it. He's not going to be it. He's not going to be. They need to get somebody new in there. Yeah. So, So, concerned. Interested slash concerned about that. Yeah, I'll validate that concern. Yeah, that's 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 really uh, that's all I've got for the Pac-12. Sweet, same <clears throat> here. So should we run through quickly our our USB first pick six yeah. of the season? Yeah. So so here's what I want to do for this pick six. So what I've got here is a list of quarterback names, and we're going to go through. We're going to talk about the pick six. We're going to fill out the pick six, and then we're going to do a second six, which is going to be our hinge six. And that <laughs> is basically going to be like those guys that we talked about where it's like if they're good, they the success of their team is going to hinge on them being good, and they're going to really elevate this team. So people in the hinge six would be like Spencer Rattler, Tulia Tungabai-Loa, like those guys are like – they could make their way into the, into the main six. six. Yeah. But right now, we're just going to call they're it. They're in the hinge six. They're in the hinge six because we got a lot of quarterbacks to talk about at the beginning of the year. We got to come up with uh, <laughs> some ranking uh, systems for them. So, yeah. uh, but there's there's a lot of names here, and uh, we're not not all of them are going to be uh, in here. But we'll we'll start. Well, let's we'll start out. Yeah, let's start. Um, so, are you starting or am I start with our first pick? Ooh, ooh! I forgot that we do it like this. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's for this first one. Let's just let's just agree. 
that it's Bryce um, Young. Yeah, we'll disagree that Bryce at number one. We're we're both gonna agree on the second pick, right? Yeah, we're both gonna agree on Stroud at two. On Stroud at two. Yep, I'm there. Okay. Now this is where it gets interesting. Yeah. With three. <laughs> I honestly like Anthony Richardson's getting some hype, but I I haven't I'm, seen enough. I haven't seen enough from him. Not buying stock in it fully yet. Um, not buying stock at all. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Will Levis at three. Okay, I'm. I can. I can get behind Will Levis, and then I think Tyler Van Dyke is in that category at least for right now. Yeah, at now, least for right now. He's not. We'll kick him out. Mm-hmm. Um, as being the number four. Um, um and then for, from from there five, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna start getting weird. Okay. I'm going to start getting weird. Um, for five. Oh. It's tough. I think like, I'm going to take Hennon Hooker. Yeah, okay. I'm for that. I think that's who I like at yeah. five. Yeah. And then at six, I like Talia. Okay. I like that. So, there's so much talent, really. At least it always – it's always going to look sexy right off the bat. But you um, know who's a dark horse to come in pretty soon? Who? Brenner Armstrong. Yeah. Dark horse. So let's go through the hinge six. I think. I, yeah. Because that's. Obvious, obviously, number one in the hinge six is Spencer Rattler. Yeah, it's got to be. And then I would say number two in the hinge would be Anthony Richardson. Yep. And then. From there, like, do you think Spencer Sanders would be a because we're talking NFL Dude, I, I NFL would, prospect type d- discussion? Do, is Spencer Sanders that kind of guy? No, you would want to spend a draft pick on him. Like, no, I don't that, think so. How yeah, about I, Dylan, how about Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma? If he he could be cool, he, he could like, be cool. Is that something that excites you? Him in the Jeff Levy offense? Is that? Yeah, I so, would take. I would do Dylan to Gabriel put, to put him in the hinge. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel on the hinge. I would put Cam Rising. Okay. Not Cam Ward. I, I don't. I don't really like Cam Ward yet. I've seen. I haven't seen him yet. So I've seen him work. Um. Cam Rising. I gotta put Brennan Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong at five. And then Jake Hayner at six. Okay. Hayner showed a lot last year at Fresno. He's still there. That could be another dark horse there. Um, so that's our hinge six. And then the names that we are not mentioning, Jaron Hall at BYU, Cam Ward at uh, Washington State, yep. Spencer, Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State, and uh, Phil, Phil Jacobic at, uh, at Boston College. Um Obviously, can't wait to see some movement in these names. We just had to establish a little list here to uh, to let's, get us going for the season. Oh, we, what, I didn't even talk about Grayson McCall. I love Grayson McCall, dude. Um, yeah, that was our, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shake up these lists, but I'll just put him on the other. But uh, um, I was gonna I just, check the tankathon, but their, their website's down. 
I was just on Tankathon. <laughs> I also want to say I understand that uh, the Lions would be better served getting a guy like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. But there's nothing about getting a guy who's just, like, always been good that excites me about the Lions. I feel like the Lions need a chip on their shoulder type of guy. Like they need Spencer, a guy that lights it up this year. Yeah. yeah, if Spencer Rattler lights it up this year, that's the guy I want in Detroit because he's been – He's been doubted. He's been he's I don't know. That's you know, that's you know I, who else would be pretty pretty gritty as a transfer don't prospect. Tell me, don't tell me Will Levis. No. Hendon Hooker. Oh yeah. Virginia That'd be scary. Tech I'd be scared. Was doubted. Yeah. At Tennessee. Yeah. Worst case scenario is a guy like Will Levis or Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah. Best case scenario, Bryce Young at one. <laughs> Dude, odds odds Tyler Van Dyke stays in Miami. Can we get that going? Oh, pretty high, can we, actually. Can we get that going? Yeah. I also think that Tua's success is going to either oh. help or hurt his brother, unfortunately. Oh, for sure. Um, the thing is, his brother, his brother fucking plays like we thought Tua would play like. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Just because he's a righty. Yeah. He just looks better when he throws the ball. Yeah. Well, that's all I've been I've... seeing way too many of the Dolphins' Twitter videos of them, like, gassing up Tua's throws <laughs> when you can, like, you can't even see the fucking throw. Like, you just – you see him throw it, it follows the ball in the air, and then, like, somebody catches it. And you're like, I have no idea what just happened. I have zero clue what just Damn. happened. Somebody caught the ball. Okay, cool. Jeez. Way too many of those. So, yeah, low on Tua, but high on a Van Dyke being in Miami. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. Yeah. So, all right. Do you got anything else? No, that's all I got. Week zero this week. This is a huge or week. Whatever. Can't we'll talk this. about week yeah. one next week, actually. Fuck Jeez. It. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about week one next week. Wow. It's coming up fast. Buckle up, man. Buckling up. So, all right. Till next time.